This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. He grabs me by the arm and pulls me closer to him and says with this creepy voice and smile, Hey there, little lady. What you doing? I felt my stomach drop and my breathing pick up as I realized the situation I had put myself in. Then its neck slash head almost swiveled around like an owl, and I was met with an oval-shaped gray face with no nose or mouth, only two-inch black hollow eye sockets. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to Thrive Market for supporting Disturbed. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Join today at thrivemarket.com disturbed to get 40% off your first order and a free gift. Welcome back in everyone and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales that are sure to bring those chills down your spine. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with an anonymous submission featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas, and we avoid the near kidnapping. This happened my senior year of high school, just a few weeks before my 18th birthday. For context, I was a 5 foot 4 inch, 140 pound girl in a regular sized town, where pretty much the only thing to do is go to the closest Sonic and sit with friends, or go hiking at the falls and campground in town. It was a common thing for me to wake up with just enough time to get ready and leave my house in time to make it to the closest Starbucks to get a coffee and a blueberry scone before school. On this particular day, I slept through my regular alarms and was later than I normally like to be. I got ready and headed off for school and realized I didn't have time to get my coffee and scone. I decided instead I would stop at a gas station that was in the middle of the busiest part of the city and normally had a lot of people there just to get a coffee. I didn't think anything of it and parked and walked in. On my way in, I scanned the gas pumps to see who all was there and how many people were at the gas station that day. At the time, there was maybe three to four cars getting gas. I go in, grab my coffee, pay, and leave. I look up as I leave and see there are no more cars. I turn the corner and basically right outside the door, there was a man. I try to make a curve around him as he took a step closer to me. He was around five foot six, maybe, not that tall and he had gray hair and a beard and green eyes with a red sweatshirt on with the hood over his head. He grabs me by the arm and pulls me closer to him and says with this creepy voice and smile, hey there, little lady, what you doing? The first thing I noticed was the lack of teeth and his awful breath. 
He smelled as if he smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. I looked at him and trying to be kind, I just said, just getting some coffee. I tried pulling my arm out of his grasp and he tightened his grip on me and pulled me even closer. You wanna give me something? He said with that creepy grin. I tried pulling away again, harder this time, and tell him, no, that's okay. His grip finally tightened to where it was hurting my arm, and he said, no, I think you do. I yanked my arm away and ran to my car, got in, and drove away. Now, this next part, I'm not overly proud of. I drove to school and didn't tell anyone about the incident. Part of me was embarrassed by it, and didn't know what anyone would say. It wasn't until after the first two classes I finally told my best friend and made it clear I didn't want anyone else knowing. She did her best to talk to me without freaking me out, and within a few hours after it happened, I was able to laugh about it with her. I was okay, nothing had actually happened, so why make it a big deal? Later that day, we had a field trip with our assistant principal as the chaperone, And while driving in the bus, he said to all of us, girls, listen up. None of you ever need to go to that place over there. It's a sex trafficking site. I was close with him, with him being my volleyball coach. So I got up to go and sit next to him. And I told him what had happened that morning and was honestly laughing during parts of the story. His face the whole time was blank. And he said, that's not okay. I said it was okay and just went back to my seat. The field trip ends, we're back at school now, and my next class was as an office aide. I walked in and said hi to both of the women at the desks, and the one I was closer to asked me to sit down. She looked me in the eyes and said, Coach texted me while y'all were out. He told me what happened and, legally, we have to call the cops. I asked her not to, but then the assistant principal walked in and he was already on the phone. My parents were called in and he told me that my dad was already on his way. A few minutes passed and the cops and my dad were there now and we were all sitting in the assistant principal's office. The cop asked me all the questions he needed to and filled out the paper report. At this point, I realized how big of a deal it was. My dad was adamant that they find the man because he wanted to press charges on him. He also wanted me to come home that day, but I declined because I had soccer team pictures after school. I needed the distraction. The next day, we found out that when the cops went to the gas station to check the security footage, it just so happened that nobody saw anything, and there were no cameras pointing toward the spot where it happened. Now, I'm angry. At myself, and at the guy who tried to kidnap me. The cops never found the man, and nothing ever came of it. I have no clue what would have happened if this man was maybe a little bit stronger or taller or whatever, but I really don't want to find out. It took months for me to be able to go get gas alone without my parents or a friend with me. So yeah, exciting senior year, I guess. Are you listening alone? Rather brave of you. Up next, we have a submission from Courtney, featuring voice work by Rhiannon Mauschel, and we meet a Tinder date.
I'm going to start off by saying I know I put myself in danger in this story, and in other situations that I will not be sharing today. Looking back at it, I want to shake myself, but that's beside the point. My story takes place in 2020. Right after the pandemic hit, March 2020, I was furloughed and just graduated college. My roommates were both essential workers, so I was sitting at home alone and bored and decided to download Tinder. As an attractive girl on a dating app, I got a lot of matches, and only a select few made it to the stage where I would meet them. This was one of those times. I had been talking to this guy, we can call him Zach, and many others for about a month, but Zach was a little different. He was obsessed with my looks. He would constantly be telling me how beautiful I was and specifically how amazing my hair was. He loved my hair. After this incident, I cut it off. It reminded me too much of this creep. At the time, I had long brown hair that I left with my natural wave. I didn't really think anything of it, and I decided I would meet him after him asking me every day for almost the whole month we'd been talking. His pictures were handsome. He was tall with lean muscles and short brown hair. I was excited to meet him. The day comes and I am very nervous. I just have this bad feeling in my stomach all day. I'm getting ready and this bad feeling just won't go away. I decided to text my best friend and tell her about the date. I tell her about him and how I feel nervous and she comes up with the idea to make a code word. The code word was red. So if I needed an out, I would text her the word red and she would call with an emergency and I'd have an excuse to leave. I know this may sound weird, why wouldn't I just tell him I have to leave, but I was getting really weird feelings about this date and I hate confrontation. He had insisted we do it at his apartment, not in public because it was during the pandemic and it was cold outside. So I was telling myself I was nervous to be alone with him, ignoring my instincts. When I get to his apartment, I drive around the block four times before I get the nerve to tell him I'm there. I park and get out of my car and see a massive man walking over. It looked like the guy in the pictures, but three times the size. I'm not trying to be rude, but as a tall, slightly bigger girl, I am not used to feeling small. But this man was six foot seven. It did say this in his profile, but guys usually lie about height all the time, so I wasn't expecting him to actually be that tall. And probably somewhere around 350 pounds. He towered over me, and it just made the feeling in my stomach so much worse. He was wearing athletic shorts and a huge t-shirt that dwarfed his large figure. I thought that was odd for a first date, but I followed him inside. We walked into a small, two-story apartment that smelt of cologne, like he had sprayed a bunch to cover the actual smell of the apartment. I looked around the small living room, which had a couch and a TV, but instead of sitting on the couch, we walked right past it and up the flight of stairs. That led to what he said was his room, but was only a mattress on the floor and a little gaming chair in an attic-looking space. He grabs a laptop from the desk and asks what I want to watch as he sits on the bed. Now I am super uncomfortable, not scared, but wanting to leave, realizing I had made a mistake coming here. Still standing, not wanting to give him the wrong idea, I text my friend, hey, did I tell you about that red truck? And pressed send. 
Not a second after the text sent, Zach reached over and grabbed my phone from my hands. Then he sets it on the bed next to him and says, let's just be in the moment together. First of all, huge disrespect of my boundaries, but it was the first time I had looked into his eyes and I saw something dark there. I felt my stomach drop and my breathing pick up as I realized the situation I had put myself in. No one knows where I am. No one knows this guy's last name. If he decided to do something to me, there was nothing I could do to defend myself. He was much larger than me. As these thoughts are racing through my head, my phone rings, breaking the uncomfortable silence. I grab it from where he set it next to him and I answer, my voice a little wobbly. Hello? My friend's voice rang from the other end of the line. Oh my gosh, thank God you answered. I ran out of gas on the highway. I really need you to come get me. I feel slightly relieved as I look at his face and see he overheard what she had said. I'm just hanging out with a friend. Drop me your pin and I'll be there soon. Then I hung up and put on my best disappointed face. I am so sorry. I have to go. He nodded and I grabbed my coat and rushed downstairs to the front door and pushed. Locked. From the inside? I am so confused and I start jiggling the handle. I feel my heart jump into my throat as I hear Zach's heavy footsteps down the stairs and his deep voice says, uh-oh, looks like the door's locked. He walks over and stands behind me. I don't move, feeling his breath on my neck, waiting for him to unlock the door so I can leave, but he doesn't. I feel him grab my hair that was tied up in a ponytail and bring it to his nose, inhaling. I feel sick, and my lip starts quivering. You are so beautiful, he says. I think you should call your friend and tell her something came up. I am now freaking out, pressed between him and my only way out that is locked. Panic sets in as he continues playing with my ponytail. I am shaking, and it is clear that I am very uncomfortable and I hear him chuckle and mutter something under his breath. I don't ask what he said. I just stand there. I'm like a deer in freaking headlights. I don't know what to do. Then, I hear the sound of a key in the door. Then someone pushes it open from the outside. A guy stands there and sees us. Zach quickly steps back, and I practically sprint from the house. I hear Zach say, I thought you wouldn't be back until tomorrow. I don't hear the other guy's response. I just jump in my car and speed off. The waterworks start and I have to pull over. I am shaking too much to drive. And my friend ends up being the one to pick me up and she takes me to her house. I tell her what happened and she comforts me the best she can while telling me how dumb it was to go to his house. I didn't talk to him anymore, but he would still send me messages. I would block him and he would just make new accounts to message me from talking about how he had an amazing time and I was beautiful. I ignored him every time he sent one, and after a while of that, the threats and name-calling started. Luckily, I had just started dating my now fiancé, and he helped me cancel and restart all my social media platforms on private. I don't know what would have happened if we hadn't made that safe word, or if his roommate hadn't come home, but I'm so glad I'll never have to find out. Stay safe out there. Online dating is very dangerous. 
don't make the stupid decisions I made on one of the scariest days of my life. We need to get rid of some evidence. Don't go anywhere. Disturbed is brought to you by Thrive Market. Now, this is a really unique online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. And this is really one of my favorite newest obsessions. Heading to the online market and checking out everything they have because the possibilities are almost endless. They carry all of your favorite clean brands with everything from healthy pantry essentials to sustainable meat or seafood and more. And it's all delivered right to your door. Not to mention they'll even give you a price match if you find a lower price somewhere else. Now their website makes finding what you're looking for as easy as can be. You can easily shop with filters such as keto, gluten-free, low sugar, and around 100 options to sort by. And they're doing so much good outside of their actual products. When you become a member, Thrive Market donates a membership to a family in need. They've donated $4.5 million in healthy groceries and counting. I love Thrive Market because I can find so many awesome new brands that I can't find here locally. I honestly find myself just browsing the website and filtering through all the different options just to see what I can find. Now they do have monthly and annual subscription options, so you have the choice to go month to month or lock in some more savings with the annual. The box I just received was loaded with tons of great snacks like cheese crisps, salted chocolate bars, jerky, and I even had some cleaning supplies in there. Thrive Market is great. They have a wide array of products and food that I highly recommend you check out and see what all the buzz is about. And I'm not going to send you over there empty handed. You can get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50 by joining today at thrivemarket.com disturbed. That's 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50 by going to T-H-R-I-V-E market.com disturbed. Hello everyone, my name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Now back to the horror. Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad.
Next up is our title story coming to us from Reddit user Probably Not a Saint, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby, and we discover the Hollow Man. This happened to me about 10 years ago when I was 14. It was a warm summer night in 2012. I, 14 female at the time, was walking around the city with my friends R, 16 male, and his older cousin J, 24 male. We had all been neighbors for about four years now, and our families knew each other, so it was quite normal for us to all be hanging out together despite the age gaps. During our walk, we decided to take a shortcut through the cemetery. It was after hours, and I'm pretty sure it was illegal for us to be in there at that time, but we weren't doing anything other than cutting through, which we would often do during the day as well. As we were walking down the path, we saw headlights turning into the cemetery, and the boys, of course, darted way ahead of me into the tree line. Since the boys ran ahead of me off the path and away from the lights, it was pitch black. There was residual light twinkling through the branches as I made my way down into the trees, but it dropped down to a slight hill, and the light was lost. I was walking along trying to be as quiet as possible, almost blind due to my eyes not adjusting yet, and that's when the feeling of dread set in. I had no idea where the boys were, I couldn't see, and I didn't want to be caught by the police by myself. But there was something else. Almost a chill in the air on this warm night in July. I tried to brush off this uneasy feeling, thinking it was just my nerves or being scared, because the boys took off without me. But alarms were going off in my head like something was very, very wrong. And apart from legal reasons, I should not be there. I make out a shape to the left of me as I'm walking. I take a couple steps towards it. Guys, is that you? Nothing. No response. I take a few more steps forward and I swear to God, just like the movies, a freaking twig snaps under my foot. Now, the reason I had thought it was the boys is because this shape was crouched down next to a pile of brush and was big enough to look like two people haunches over. I thought they had been hiding there. But when the twig snapped, I stopped in my tracks as this thing stood up and towered over me. I was about five feet tall at the time, and this thing was easily two of me stacked right on top of each other. Whatever this thing was, it was only 15 feet or so away from me, and I was frozen with horror. It was facing away from me at first, then its neck slash head almost swiveled around like an owl, and I was met with an oval-shaped gray face with no nose or mouth, only two-inch black hollow eye sockets. The rest of this thing's body was pitch black against the dark trees. The light from the path has no longer streaming through the branches. It was just me and this thing that seemed like the personification of darkness itself. This thing and I stared at each other for what felt like an eternity. The woods around me through the corners of my eyes was getting darker and my heart was pounding so hard I could feel it through my entire body. Every tiny hair on my body was prickling. I was cold. The only thing I can remember thinking was, this is it. I'm never going to see my family again. The body of this thing had followed its head and swiveled, so now I could see its long, curved arms held right up to what would be this thing's chest. Its legs were similarly curved, almost like it wasn't standing at full height, but still slightly crouching down. Its body was almost translucent and... It looked like it was wearing some kind of hooded cloak that was see-through as well. The only thing that was 100% solid was its face, 
and its void-like eyes that made me feel like I was staring right into the depths of hell. Neither of us moved. We were locked in the most terrifying staring contest for what felt like an eternity, until a strange feeling came over me. I felt like I could move again, and I had the energy to run a 5K marathon without breaking a sweat. Then, I heard a very calm but stern voice say, Go. Now. Run. It's kind of hard to explain where the voice was coming from exactly. It was sort of in my head, but all around me at the same time. I'm getting chills as I write this. I know the voice did not come from whatever this thing was in front of me, because when I heard the voice speak, it looked as if this horrid creature recoiled at the sound of it, like it took a step or two backwards and kind of ducked its head down. I saw this as my chance, and I turned away from this thing, and I start bolting down further into the tree line, no longer caring about being quiet and crashing around through the bush like an animal being chased by some predator. I could almost feel this thing right on my tail, but after running about 200 feet-ish, I run directly into the boys, literally crashing into them. I'm obviously scared and pissed, so I ask why the F they left me like that, and they apologized. Apparently, I had been missing for almost half an hour, and they had already searched the direction I ran from. They heard weird, whispering voices all around the woods while I was gone, like the voices were coming from everywhere around them. They said right before I crashed into them, the whispering stopped. I told them about what I saw, and all they said was that we should get out of here. We left the cemetery very quickly, and as soon as we walked out of the gates, it was like we all let out this sigh of relief. We never talked about that night again, and even during the day, none of us ever took that shortcut through the cemetery. I still live in the same city, and to this day, I avoid it like the plague. I won't even drive by it. This isn't my only story, but it's definitely one of the more terrifying ones that still haunts me to this day. Are you loving the show? Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body. And finally, we close out the show by checking in with Reddit user Diablix, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford. And we end up in a town that doesn't exist. Back in the summer of 2011, I was 19 and had relocated my living situation for a few weeks while I was in between apartments, which is a long story on its own. Well, due to my relocation, I was pretty far from my work and I'd have to drive about an hour south on the Highway 45. Now, At the time, I worked in Spring, Texas, and I could get away with a lot of stuff because we were too short-staffed and I was one of the more experienced on our night crew. On my first shift, having to drive to work from this new area, I ended up getting a bit turned around and lost. I was driving on what I thought had been the highway, but after a bend, it suddenly transitioned into a single-lane road, and then, further down, transitioned to just a dirt road. Ever since it stopped being a highway, there was no areas to turn off. I left my place at around 7pm to arrive at work by 8pm for my shift, but this happened around the midpoint of the distances, so even though I didn't check the time when it happened, it'd be a fair estimate to say the sudden change in environment happened at around 7.30pm. Thinking this was really strange, as I'd been up and down 45 a million times and never saw something like this, I figured I would just drive until I reached a rest stop or something to check my location on GPS and turn around. 
Then it got a little uneasy when I went a full 20 minutes without seeing a single spot to stop at or turn into, and without seeing a single other car. Finally, I saw a bridge coming up and I thought, okay, surely there'll be somewhere to turn around at wherever this bridge leads. Then I saw it. Welcome to Atascacita. At this point, I was already going to be super late for work no matter what, and figured I'd just send my boss a text and all would be fine. But no signal. So I figured, what the hell, I'm going to get in trouble anyways, so might as well check this place out for a few minutes and see where I ended up. It was very unsettling. You know, the town looked like it had been abandoned for decades. The buildings all around looked like they were falling apart and in terrible disrepair. Not a single building had a light on and there were no cars or people anywhere in sight. The roads were a mix of some dirt roads and some normal roads in varying state of disrepair. Hell, I didn't even see animals anywhere as I drove through. I could tell as I drove through that this town was essentially an island. You know, everywhere seemed to have a beach and a bridge that connected it to land, at least from what I was able to see as I drove around a higher elevated area. After about a half hour driving around, unable to find any signs of life, I managed to find my way back to the bridge I came in on and got the hell out of there. When I got to work about two hours late, my boss called me back into his office to have a chat. See, I'd been working there since I was 16 and never been so much as a single minute late, so he was willing to hear me out. I told him the honest truth of what happened and he seemed increasingly concerned as my story went on. He and another co-worker looked on a map out of curiosity, since they'd never known of any abandoned towns in the area, and they found some place called Atascacita and assumed I'd misread the sign. But when they opened the Google Street View, Atascacita was nothing like the town I'd seen. The only thing they had in common was sort of a similar name and one bridge that connected it from across a lake. But the town I was in was surrounded by water and it had bridges connecting it on each end. I'm only in contact with one co-worker who was at work that day, and he's convinced I somehow got a bustling old-style town like Atascacita somehow confused with a long-abandoned ghost town, even though they had nothing in common, just because we, we couldn't find any Atascacita on the map. And two years later, after I went back to live in Spring for a little while, I, I did try finding Atascacita again, this time with the intent of filming while I was there to prove it existed. But alas... No matter how much I retraced my steps, I, I was never able to find that strange empty path to the bridge again. As a little end note, I'm typically not super comfortable sharing this story with many people, because, well, for obvious reasons, lots of people would probably think I'm crazy because I'm adamant I was in a town that no one can seemingly find any evidence of ever existing. And from the few people who I've told over the years, I've gotten answers like slipping somewhere in time, or that I entered some kind of spirit world or something, or... I slipped into an alternate reality. The most common was that I fell asleep on the highway. Though, well, that last one certainly sounds like the most grounded on the surface. For those who have driven on the 45, I'd have 100% died if I'd fallen asleep at the wheel in late evening or early night on that highway. Accidents are common there among totally alert drivers. So, I'm not really sure what to make of it all. As unsettling as the event was, the retracing my steps later and not being able to find any trace of it was even more so. Honestly, if I ever end up back there somehow, someday, I'm filming the whole thing. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast. 
and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Submit your own experience to the show in writing or through our hotline, all available at disturbedpodcast.com. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. And let's shout out our newest supporters. Haley Ortiz, Caitlin Barrington, Liliana Cisneros, Leanne Williams, Chelsea Gerald, Colleen Coffey, April, Ryan Hicks, Kate, NMTX, Megan Multoff, and several others that will get their shout out next week. Now they all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too, patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Music by Carl Casey at WhiteBatAudio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.